Hi everybody and welcome to the Junction Church Podcast. We pray that this message inspires and encourages you. If you would like to find out any more information about us, then please visit our website at www.thejunctionchurch.com. Thank you for listening. I actually have so much um, faith for this message because all the people here have braved it through the cold that you, you want to hear the word of God. You want your lives to be transformed. But, um, but like how, um, thank you Raquel once again for leading us in worship. And uh, yeah, put your hands together for Raquel. I mean, this is something I noticed, right? Like the last few times I've been speaking, Raquel has been leading worship. Like at least the last three times. So I think, I think it's because you don't want me to ruin your, like, my guitar playing. You don't, is that what it is? Okay, it's just accidental. It was coincidental, right? Okay. But yeah, if, if, as a detective would say, there's no such thing as coincidences. Right? But, but um, also I want to thank Jemima who braved the cold a hundred miles and played for us on keys. That is just awesome. Thank you so much once again. And uh, she's even doing the assembly tomorrow, so we're, so we're making fair use of her and her talents. But, um, but it's uh, my uh, privilege to continue, uh, or rather, this will be the, the climax of the Rise of Champions series, which is good and bad. I mean, I love, this, I love this series. I love the message this morning. I love the theme of the Rise of Champions. And I really believe that. Because since God has called us, we are called of God. If we, as we're singing tonight, we're children of God, we're called to be champions. We're called to rise up above the things that we feel have limited us. We're no longer slaves to fear, but we are actually now children of God. And and, uh, Pastor Cheryl spoke this morning about rising up and rebuilding. And I'm going to continue this thought. Um, I'm going to call this talk the army of champions. Because as a church, that's what we really are. We really are an army of champions. We are a family, but we also are an army. An army has purpose. An army has strength. An army has direction. And it has um, a chain of command which actually sees the will of God come to pass. We are the army of God. And and, um, I'm going to be speaking from this section of scripture. Um, This is about David's mighty men in 2 Samuel. And uh, this is is like a scripture that um, God was speaking to me about, um, about for this and. When I was preparing this, it kind of felt to me like this is almost like a pastors and leaders message. But then God began to speak to me and say, this is the kind of people that I'm going to raise up. That it's not about the audience you think it's for. It's actually for the direction and the intention which I have for their life. So this is, this is an empower, this a powerful word. And this is going to be so important for where we're going in 2018 as a church and as individuals as well. I always love this in um, one, sorry, 2 Samuel 23 and verse 8. It's going to go up on the screens in a second. So these are the names of the mighty men whom, who David had. First was um, Josheb Bathshebeth, Bathshebeth the Tachmanite, chief among the captains. He was called Adino the Esnite because he killed 800 men at one time. Whoa. 800 men. And after him was Eliezer, the son of Dodo, the Ahoite. <laughs> I'm not, not doing too bad. Like, I think I tripped on the first one, but I'll get it better as we go on. Um, one of the three mighty men when, with, who were with David when they defied the Philistines who were gathered there for battle. And the men of Israel had retreated. He arose and attacked the Philistines until his hand was weary and his hand stuck to the sword. The Lord brought about a great victory that day and the people returned after him only to plunder. Talk about awake for the money, asleep for the danger, right? <laughs> 
And after him was Shammah, the son of Agi the Hararite. The Philistines had gathered together in a troop where was a piece of ground full of lentils. So the people fled from the Philistines. So, um, but he stationed himself in the middle of the field, defended it, and killed the Philistines. So the Lord brought about a great victory. Then, there the three, these are the three guys we just talked about, the three um, chief um, men, went down to, <clears throat> sorry, went down at harvest time and came to, the, to David at the cave of the Dullam, and the troop of Philistines encamped the valley of Rephraim. And David was then in the stronghold, and the garrison of Philistines was then in Bethlehem. And David said with longing, Oh, that someone would give me a drink of the water from the well of Bethlehem, which is by the gate. So the three men broke through the camp of the Philistines, drew water from the well of Bethlehem that was by the gate, and took it and brought it to David. Nevertheless, he would not drink it, but he poured it out to the Lord. And he said, far be it from me, O Lord, that I would do this. Is this not the blood of the men who went in jeopardy of their lives? Therefore he would not drink it. These things were done by the three mighty men. Now Abishai, the brother of, of Johad, the son of Zehariah, was, uh, was that not Zehariah? Was that all right? Zehariah <laughs> was chief of another three. He lifted his spear against 300 men and killed them and won a name among these three. Was he not more honored, the most honored of the three? You know, I, I love it how the Bible asks questions. Like, it's inspired by God, so surely it should tell us, right? So, was he not more honored than the three? Therefore, he became their captain. However, he did not attain to the first three. Benaiah was the son of Jehoiada, the son of valiant man from Kabzeel, who had done many deeds. He had killed two lion-like heroes of Moab. He also had gone down and killed a lion in the midst of a pit on a snowy day, much like today. <laughs> And that's just awesome. He killed a lion in a pit in, on a snowy day. And he killed an Egyptian, a spectacular man. The Egyptian had a spear in his hand, so he went down with a staff, wrested the spear out of his, the Egyptian's hand, and killed him with his own spear. These things Benaiah, the son of Jehoiada, did, and won a name among the three mighty men. He was more honored than the thirty, but did not attain to the first three. And David appointed him uh, over his guard. So we're speaking about an army of champions. And that's why I believe we are here tonight. We are an army of champions. As a church, we are an army of champions. That We, we aren't just champions individually. We are champions collectively. We are an army united together. I don't know if any of you have military experience, but I, I do not have military experience. Um, I, I do have paintball experience. Like, paintball experience. Who likes, who likes paintball? It's just so good to be in an environment where it's relatively safe. I say relatively safe and shoot one another with, with paint and, and hopefully inflict some pain and just make their clothes messy and all that sort of stuff. And, and I like paintball. I, I like that you, it's in, you're in the outdoors, you're with friends, you're having a laugh. And, and if your gun works, you can have a good game. And I, and I like doing that. And, and uh, there's one game in particular I didn't like, which was probably the worst game I've ever had. And, and it, was on a, it was on my stag do. Um, and it was... 
Well, what happened with this was I, I, was, um, I was made to dress up. One of my best men, who is not a believer in Jesus, he, he gave me this um, Jesus outfit to wear. Um, so it was complete with the robe, and it, I think it had a scarlet sash, and it, and it had the crown of thorns. And, and I wasn't happy about this whatsoever, but just to, for the sake of the stag, I just wore it. And, but the thing was, it was really hot, right? Like it was, I couldn't really move in it without feeling like I was going to burn up, and the extra heat made my visor steam up so I was actually blind so, was, so I couldn't really run anywhere so it was actually one of the games where um, we had to take a suitcase across a bridge and um, I just said well I'll run with it but just tell me where to run because I literally cannot see so, so, I, so I did that and I jumped across the bridge, bridge like, a, like a dolphin dive and actually won the game for our team but the, the bit that I'll never forget and will probably make its way into several messages from this day um, was when I had to do what was known as the stag run um, the stag run, let me paint the picture for you. Um, a line of people, maybe about as long as this stage, um, and me in the middle of a field on my own, had to run back and forth while they shot at me with paintballs. I was defenseless. I was slightly perturbed by this. I was uh, slightly put off, but I ran and ran and ran. And, and, uh, and I felt quite isolated. I felt quite angry. I felt quite defenseless. Even one time I stopped and just looked at them in a rage. And, and it was just, there was nothing I could do. I was just getting shot at. But, but then it got me thinking about how sometimes we can be in our lives. How we can think sometimes that if we're living life and we go through circumstances, go through situations, and it feels like that everything's against us. We're on our own. We, we are under hailstorms of bullets that we have no answer for. But can I encourage you that if you are in Christ, that is not the case for your life. That you may have instances where you're going through trials and going through pains, but together we are an army of champions that you don't go through anything alone. You're not clothed in a garb that's hard to run in. You're actually clothed in the righteousness of God. You're clothed in salvation. You're clothed in power. That you don't have to live powerless. You don't have to live without, without any thinking. You don't have an answer for the things in your life. God has called you. God has anointed you. And together we are an army of champions. Yeah. And when I think about an army of champions, it brings us to our text that I just read from and how, how prolific the mighty men of David were. Now, David was known as being a man after God's own heart. And the mighty men that he raised were from the time when he was on the run from King Saul all the way to him being king. And these men were spectacular. These guys did amazing feats. These guys did crazy things that you couldn't, you couldn't reproduce in your own might. You just couldn't do it. But in this, in, in this um, text, there are so many keys for us to help us be the army of champions that God is calling us. The army of champions he's commanded us and blessed us to be. And uh, we're going to look at um, verse 8. And verse 8 is talking about the leader of the, the 30 mighty men. And in many times, you can, you can tell the strength or tell the quality of an organization, tell the quality of, um, of a group by the leader. Often what's in the leader just seems to ebb and flow into the organization they're leading. You can tell if they're, um, if they're a bit crass, if they're a bit dry by the way um, they're... By the way, their, their employees speak. You can tell a lot about these things, and, and by, even just by the leader. So let's look at the leader. Let's look at um, this guy called um, Joshua Bashibeth. 
the Tachmanite. Okay, so <laughs> I think that was all right. So um, here are the names of the mighty men of David has. So the first one was um, Josheb Bashibeth, the Tachmanite, chief among the captains. So he was called Adino the Esnite because he had killed 800 men at one time. Now, if, if you've got a mate who killed 800 people, you're thinking, jail. all right, <laughs> jail. <laughs> but if he did it inside the law, under government legislation, <laughs> or government jurisdiction, should I say, then he would actually be, you'd be like, whatever company he's in charge of, I want to be a part of that. <laughs> whatever army he's in, I want to do that. That's where I want to be. And this is what Adino the Esnite, and you're thinking, what kind of name is Adino the Esnite? It's like... Um, you would think it'd be like um, the Great Destroyer or the, the Massive Slayer. And, it, and it really, all it means, right, Adino the Esnite, you can look this up for yourself, all it means is sharp object. <laughs> I mean, if, you, if you're going to kill 800 men, you, know, you, you must have something sharp, especially in those days, right? So all he was like, eight, that's such an underwhelming, underwhelming name for the, the size of the task that he was doing. Yeah. Adino the Esnite, sharp object, sharp ornament. Like, if it was a Scottish chavo, it'd be like, I oh, Starby McStanley. Like, <laughs> that's what it would be like if he was here, but, but it's just like Adino the Esnite. He's, he's sharp, he's a sharp object, that's all he is. It's, it's the name he's given from the feat that he was, that he undertook. And what I took from that is that the spearhead. Of the, of the 30 mighty men, the spearhead of this sharp ornament really was excellence. It's, if you're going to, well, let me say it like this. Um, the way I was thinking of it is excellence is actually the spearhead in our endeavors. If we, if we want to do anything new, it's excellence that gets us through. It's excellence. Like if we want to, so if we want to break through the, the spiritual darkness in the areas of the city, we need an excellent spirit. If we're going to reach people for the gospel, we need an excellent heart for the lost. If we're going to have entire in times of worship and praise in this house, so we need to have excellent musicianship. We need to have excellent sensitivity to the spirit of God. If we need, if we want to see people raised, being raised up to be sent out, we need to have excellent words, excellent preaching, excellent, excellent exhortation. So we feel. Like we're not just coming here to, to, um, to feel good, but we're actually being trained. We're being equipped. We're being released into, into our, the calling and the spheres of influence that God has for us. That if we were to do this, we need excellence. There's a scripture in Ecclesiastes 10.10 10 that says that if the axe is dull and one doesn't sharpen the axe, much strength is required. Much strength. Have you ever sometimes found that as you're doing a task, as you're living your life, things just get harder and harder. You know, there's sometimes there's reasons for that. And I've, I find in my times where sometimes you just feel like, maybe I should pray more, maybe I should do this more. And I'm finding in all, all the times I'm, I'm praying and I'm going through certain things and it's good to pray, but sometimes it's just like, sharpen what you've been given. Sharpen it so you'll be more effective. You don't have to swing so hard if it's sharp. Just cut through. You've been given the tools. All we just need to do is sharpen it. Sharpen what we've been given. Now the rest of the mighty men give us a portrait or rather um, how excellence is the, the spearhead. The rest of the men give us ways to how we can sharpen our excellence. How we can break through. 
And it's the, these, these things characterize what we can do. And if you're taking notes, and I hope you are taking notes, this is, um, this is, really, this is really good and is really um, powerful. Um, so let me go and read in verse 9. So this is the next guy in the, in the three um, chief captains. So in verse 9, and after him is Eliezer, the son of Dodo, the Jacobite. That's what I like to call him. <clears throat> One of the three mighty men, somebody knows their history, one of the three mighty men um, with David when they defied the Philistines who were gathered there for battle and the men of Israel had retreated. He arose and attacked the Philistines until his hand was weary and his hand stuck to the sword. The Lord brought about the great victory that day and the people returned after him only to plunder. You know, I don't know how many people here do do exercises or things like that, but if if I'm doing something, right, and I'm tired. I want to. I want to let go. Like if I'm if I'm um, if I'm going to like ride a bike and I get tired from riding a bike, I want to step off and, and sit down. Or if or if I'm hitting like a heavy bag or something, my arms get tired and I want to drop. But but this guy, this guy, for some reason, all the strength he had, even though his arms got weary, even though his arms got tired, he he somehow managed to cling to what he's been given. So this is the lesson of commitment. He didn't look at his own body as something, as an excuse to say, I'm not going to do this anymore because I'm tired. He said, no, this is, this is something I've been entrusted with. And as long as I'm alive, as long as I can grab this, I am going to cling to it. It became a part of him. It was like he was one with the sword. It's like whatever came against him, it said it didn't matter that he was tired. It's like, I've still got a weapon. Anything that's in me, I'm going to muster and I'm going to use this. I'm going to use it with all of my might and with all my resolve I have left. It's a commitment. And it's something that helps us sharpen what we do. Because we cannot sharpen, we cannot improve, we cannot break through in areas we aren't committed to. We have to commit ourselves to that where he was weary, but he still grabbed on to the sword. The last strength he had was to hold on. The last strength he had. And I love that. And the next guy is similar. This guy was called um, Shema. So this is a similar um, thing, but I was going to go a little bit um, deeper. So this is a guy that fought over lentils. Um, He must have been a vegan. Um, Sorry, Jay. Um, but, but so it says in verse 11, it says, So after him was Shammah, the son of Agi, the Hararite. The Philistines had gathered together into a troop where the, there was a piece of ground full of lentils. The people fled from the Philistines. But he, I love this, he stationed himself in the middle of the field, defended it, and killed the Philistines. So the Lord brought about a great victory. See, when other people are fleeing, he stationed himself. Wow. So this is a lesson of ownership. Ownership. Where we don't flee when, when things are going around us, think, when we might be overwhelmed, we might be overpowered. No, he, he stuck his ground and realized what he had, his duty was to, while he was alive, he was not one to give any room to the enemy, any room for him to lose this patch of land that he had, because it was more valuable in his hand than in the enemy's hand. He's like, I am not taking a backward step, because he realized this, and this is something that I've realized as well, that the enemy cannot take grounds that we don't permit. The enemy cannot take grounds that we don't permit. 
So he had an ownership in his spirit saying, I am not letting the Philistines take this. I will have to die. And he brought about a great victory that day. And if you read on, the the people who ran originally came back to plunder the goods. So the ownership that we have creates a room for people to receive. When we take ownership of the things that God has blessed us with, we actually create a pathway for people to come in and receive. That is, that is the, the mandate of the church. That when we, when we advance, when we look for the, the people who are needy in society and we, we step out and meet those needs, we actually create a pathway for them to come and receive. We create a pathway for others to see the work that's being done and join in. That is the beauty of the church and that is how we take ground as an army of God, as a champion, as an army of champions. So that's ownership. There's one, this is probably one of my, um, my favorite ones in this, actually, and I'd say it's probably the catalyst to excellence, that when all three of these men were together, they, um, they were with David, they went down to see David, and um, I'll pick this up in verse 13, actually, no, 15. Um, so they, so they, went down to the, they went down to David, who was in a cave, and then David said to these guys, he says, um, oh, that someone would give me a drink of water from the well of Bethlehem, which is by the gate. So the three mighty men broke through the camp of the Philistines, drew the water from the well of Bethlehem that was by the gate and took it and brought it to David. Like, that for me sounds, it sounds so simple when you read it like that, but to, to, to conceive what it's like to break through enemy lines. Yeah. I mean... My favorite games growing up were things like Goldeneye, Quake, where you just see enemies, shoot them, Call of Duty, that sort of thing. But then Metal Gear Solid, Splinter Cell, where if, like, if you get seen, you die, or you get seen, like alarms go everywhere and you can't do anything. Like, this, this is exactly what was going on. You can understand if they're going to a general's camp, like there's a, a meeting of the captains and they were going to hear um, a strategic advance so they can then prepare their defenses. But no, they're, they're just going for water because David was a little homesick. <laughs> they just went for water. They just went for a drink so that David could drink. And, and this is the lesson of honor. This wasn't even a command from King David. It wasn't even a command. He just said, Oh, just like, he's like pictured it. He pictured the well. He knew exactly where it was. He just said, oh, if I could just get a drink of water from Bethlehem by the gate. He knew it. He, he, that's his hometown. He knew what it was like. He was just picturing it. Just said with longing, oh, if I could have that. And the guys around him just said, awesome, we'll do that. We'll do it. And then they did it. That's, this, that's, the, that's the lesson of honor. And let me tell you that honor is the catalyst of excellence. Whatever you honor, you actually quicken. It's like, it's like if you, it's like a conductor. You actually conduct energy when you honor something. And it's, it's by far the easiest thing to do to help us get better at anything. Honor. And I love this because honor isn't a two-way street either. Honor doesn't just go up. Honor comes down. And um, there's this um, program that I used to watch called uh, Band of Brothers. And um, it's about... Uh, airborne regiment who, who dropped into Normandy in World War II and the main character he told off one of his lieutenants for um, gambling with his, the soldiers before they dropped 
And uh, he, wasn't un- he didn't understand why he was getting told off. But then the guy said this, and I'll never forget it. He said, never put yourself in a position where you can take from these men. Never put yourself in a position where you can take from these men. Because this man had a revelation that these men are going to give their lives for my orders and my leadership. My leadership could be the making or breaking of them. As a lieutenant, he had, the, he had a responsibility and a duty of care over the sergeants, over the corporals, over the, um, over the, um, the privates and whoever else who were under his care and in his, his company. He had care, so he realized that he didn't want to put them in any sort of way where he could extort from them because they're already going to give him their life. Yeah. And David knew this as well. That's why he said he wouldn't drink it. He said, far be it from me, O Lord, that I should do this. Is this not the blood of the men who went in jeopardy of their lives? Therefore, he would not drink it, but he offered it to God. You see the flow of honor here. See, where the men that served David honored him by giving him this water that he just longed for. It was like a if only sort of thing. It wasn't even a command. It wasn't strategic. It wasn't anything. But then he saw this sacrifice and in turn, he honored them by not even wanting to sustain himself with it, but he took it and honored it to God. Yeah, and with David being a man after God's own heart, he only wanted to give God his best. David was a worshiper. David was a man who wasn't, who wasn't willing to, to seek his own needs all the time. He actually looked after the people who were um, followed him from the cave of Adul and all these places, and he actually wanted to make champions out of them because of his care. And it's because of this love and honor how the people after him were so able to just want to mobilize himself and go out to put their life in jeopardy just for some water. And it's that same heart that was worth dying for and that same heart that was worth giving unto God as well. See, the honor flow actually, it doesn't stop with David, it goes back to God and anything that I would say that isn't turned back to God, isn't given to God, often sometimes turns and pride ourselves. Yeah. Honor is one of those things that quickens us. Mm. It keeps us humble. Because mm. when we're humble, God elevates us, and that's when the flow continues through our lives. So honor is central to how we move in excellence, how we break ground. We cannot break into ground that we don't first honor, that we don't first see. We cannot reach people that we, we don't first honor, we don't love. We can't, so we can't spend time with people that we don't first have a heart for because then it becomes something that we do. But rather it's in the honoring of God that he is made known, that he actually empowers us through. It's that honor. It's that it's that willingness to say, not my will, but your will be done. Yeah. And it's this guy, uh, the next one is uh, Benaiah um, in verse um, 20. This guy, this is, <laughs> this is the funniest thing I've ever read. Like, okay, so he, um, he kills an Egyptian, right? But this is what say, the scripture says in verse 20. He says, he had killed two lion-like heroes of Moab. Lion-like heroes. And he'd gone down and killed a lion in the midst of a pit on a snowy day. Like, you know, I don't know about you, but I hate the snow. Like, I, when I see the snow, I want to stay in bed. I mean, I was scraping it off my windshield today. I mean, it's just like, I couldn't be, couldn't be done with this. But this guy kills a lion in the snow. I mean, if you're going to choose a terrain to fight in, don't choose snow. It's, it's a bad move, let me tell you that. But then that doesn't stop there, right? He kills an Egyptian, a spectacular man. And, and the, the, the Egyptian had a spear in his hand, so he went down to him with a staff took the spear out of his hand and killed him with his own spear. 
This is a lesson of adaptability. Because I love sometimes in life, if my life would just be a highlight reel, where I did this and succeeded, or I did this and it just blossomed, and everything I do is just, everything's like, ah, it's amazing, like, um, and all the circumstances and things just lined up for me to just take the pickings. But how many people know that's fairy tale? It, it doesn't work like that. Where this guy, he realized that he is a warrior, but he faced himself in certain circumstances that were not favorable. He had, um, he had a stick. The guy had a spear. Like, if you want to do rock, paper, scissors, you know, rock, <laughs> beat, scissors. You know, like, it's, he lose his. But he used what he had to get what he had, which is what he needed. And then he finished them with his own spear. Now that is, that is adaptability. The guy killed a lion in the midst of a pit on a snowy day. So, and so he, was, he was in the position where he didn't have the footing. And if it was a blizzard, he didn't have the, the visibility. And he still killed a lion because he was willing to adapt to the circumstance. Now, sometimes in life where you may think something is going to happen a certain way, but we have to be able to keep our purpose, but try and change our method so we can see success. It's in the adaptability. It's in the willingness to be able to say, maybe what I thought isn't going to, maybe the way I thought I was going to do something isn't going to be the way it's done. Maybe I might amend something I do. And by the way, to improve, we have to first adapt what we do, Right. If we're going to be better runners, sometimes you have to adapt our technique to be able to handle the, the, the speed in which we want to generate. Sometimes we have to adapt, and that is key to excellence. That's key to breaking through. Maybe it won't happen the way we planned it, but maybe sometimes, like um, Dave Gilpin would say, sometimes it's zag-zig, not zig-zag. Sometimes we have to be able to run with the adaptive, with the changing nature of, of everyday life. We have to be able to do that if we want to succeed in this life. And I'll close with this one. Um, the keys can join me. Now I missed out one um, before. And I'll go back for that one. And this is Abishai. Abishai, he was a bit shy. He was the brother of Joab. He was the leader of the army. It says in scripture here that he lifted his spear. And killed 300 people. 300 people with a spear. He was more honored to the three of the people that he was leading, but he didn't get a name of the first three. And what this spoke to me was that he killed 300 people with a spear. You know, if you picture a spear, how many ways is there to use one? <laughs> you know, with a sword, you can be a bit creative. There's other things you can do. But with a, with a spear, it's just... <laughs> <laughs> That's all you do. Three hundred people with a spear now this is the lesson of consistency consistency can you go again where it feels monotonous can you strike again where it feels like there's no point in this this is boring can you go again I love this Bruce Lee said the prophet Bruce Lee <laughs> he said I do, not, I do not fear the man that practiced 10,000 kicks once I fear the man who practiced one kick 10,000 times can you do it again because that's where the strength goes 
Can you pierce a person again? Can you go through that again? Maybe it didn't work the first time. Can you do it again? It's in this consistency that builds a character that enables us to stand up and be champions so we can take the city. We can go and rescue people out of trafficking. We can go and take people out of their addictions and bring them and plant them into the house of God. We need a consistency. We need a consistency of faith. We need a consistency of prayer. We need a consistency of being able to step out into the unknown. Can we go again? Can we reach out again? Can we plant our seeds of faith again? Can we pray for that person again? Can we invite that person again? Can we speak that message of faith again? Can we invest that money again? Can we start that business again? Can we invest in those friendships again? Can we do it again? Through the power of God, you can do it again. Through the power of God in your life, through the Spirit working in you, you can go again. You can do anything He has called you to do. For greater is He that is in you than greater than He that is in the world. Thanks for listening. If you have any questions or you'd like to find out contact information or service times, then don't forget to visit our website, www.thejunctionchurch.com.